0: Coaches, welcome back again. This is Coach Kevin Furtado at the Championship Vision Podcast. Today is episode 191 with Coach Jeff Graham. He's the head girls basketball coach at Bilt High School in Bilt, Montana. Jeff Graham became the head coach of Bilt's girls basketball team before the 2017-2008 season. At that time, he was the head football coach in Bilt while also serving as the head assistant coach for the University of Great Falls women's basketball team. Graham has remained in the Bilt community ever since. He has served as an assistant and head track coach since 2008 and became the athletic director in 2012. Bilt has won 19 divisional championships since 2007 in football, girls' basketball, and track. This past season, the Lady Huskies were crowned co-champions after their semifinal victory in the state tournament. The Lady Huskies played Saturday night at the state tournament for 10 straight years from the 2007-2008 season to the 2016-17 season. The Bill girls have won six of the past nine state championships. During Graham's tenure at Bill, there have been 10 girls who have went on to play frontier basketball. These players have helped the Huskies win 11 consecutive conference and district tournaments along with seven divisional tournaments graham has been fortunate enough to have amazing assistant coaches such as susie makey rinsey horton and molly rose these assistants have helped guide the lady huskies to a 318 34 record over the past 13 seasons graham's biggest success in life is his family He married Megan Schmitz, a University of Montana Western Hall of Famer he met while the two were playing college basketball there. His wife, Megan, has been an assistant coach for the boys' basketball team and is currently an assistant for cross-country and track. They have been blessed with four amazing children. Cadence, 11, is an Elks free-throw state champion, and her sister, Ellison, 9, is a two-time Elks free-throw regional champion. Their brothers, Jay, 6, and Jimmer, 2, love every sport, and keep their parents on their toes. Graham is a fourth-generation coach and athletic director. His dad coached him in football, basketball, and track at Chester, Montana, where the Coyotes achieve success in all three sports. Coach, this is going to be really exciting. I'm really going to pick the brain of Coach Graham on how does he build, I call it, I call it small school success. How do you build a program at a small school? And he's going to give us some insight into how he develops multiple sport athletes, uh, how the coaches are coaching multiple sports, and how they have created this great family atmosphere uh, at at Bilt because they are one heck of a small school program winning quite a few state championships. So let's, uh, let's really take your notepads out and really listen to Coach Jeff Graham of Bilt High School.
1: Hey,
2: Coach. How are you?
0: good, Jeff. Hey, uh, how's the audio there? Can you hear me? Okay.
2: Yeah, you're great, man. I'm just hiding in my room here so my kids don't bug me. So I came <laughs> back to
1: school.
0: That's right. Hey, <laughs> I, did, I I'm actually sorry to call you now because man, they just they just did the uh, honorary first pitch. Man, we got baseball starting, Coach. Man, this is exciting.
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge here. They're a Premier League affiliation in Great Falls. So when I was little, I grew up a huge Dodger fan. So I'm excited for tonight, finally, to have it back.
0: Oh, man. I know. So, I mean, this is so cool. I I, I do think there's, I mean, I think we definitely need sports. I mean, I, I think it's just part of our culture. Um And um I just think it kind of livens everybody up. What do you think about that?
2: I think you're 100% right. Like, I'm just... <laughs> just being around the kids here, we had, you know, their team in for football camp, seeing the people and, you know, talking to the parents, they're just, they're like, our kids got a you know, a little, you know, a little kick in their step again and they're excited. And just, I just think our, yeah, our kids need it, you know, mentally, I think they need it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you joining me. I know, um, I know <clears throat> Lindsay Woolley gave me your name. I say, hey, give me the best coaches in Montana, the high school coaches. And your name came right up. And then uh, I can see just just from all the success you guys have, I really want to see wh- how you guys do it because that's what my podcast is all about. I want to see how does how do coaches build their program? Hey, talk about growing up in the game, man. You come from a basketball family. Tell us how you you grew up in the game and how they you became a coach.
2: You know, I w- I was just blessed. Uh, my dad, my dad, were all coaches, but. My dad was assistant coach in a very successful programs up in Chester. I mean, we didn't lose a game in the nineties in JV, you know, a couple state championships. And I was I was always at the GM, football practice with them, basketball practice with them and um track, you know, but basketball just kind of became my favorite. Um I got, you know, I had offers for football and basketball and track out of out of out of high school, but I ultimately picked a place that was gonna let me play football and basketball both and um just kind of fell in love with basketball. Worked out after college I was waiting for my wife she had one more year left at University of Montana Western where Coach Woolley was she's an All-American there and um, luckily her assistant coach got the job at UGF which is now Providence and he took me with him and I was assistant coach and did my student teaching and then um, a couple things happened and I end up moving 20 miles east down the road here to Belt um, after meeting some people here you know they were our big rivals where I grew up so I only grew up 90 miles away and a lot of my friends, and it was tough for my parents to see us go to belt. So, but it's been a great, great place. Been in the division, you know, that I grew up in. So that's kind of how it's progressed. And then I had a couple of daughters, and figured I better stay in girls basketball so I could stay with those guys.
0: Yeah, and from what I heard, you have two do- uh, two daughters, Cadence and Ellison. I heard they're ballers, man. Tell me a little bit about them, man. Growing up, got that, got that basketball blood.
2: Yeah. You know, same thing. They just, my father-in-law is the coach over here, at Great Falls High, which is a double uh, a, you know, the highest, the highest division we have and they okay. just love being around it. You know, we've been lucky there either at the, my wife coached with him before we had our um, second child and she moved out here and was our boy's assistant. So our kids were basically at basketball practice every day since they were babies. And um, <laughs> yeah, luckily they liked it. You know, it's, we don't really have to force them to do much. They love coming to the, um, you know, coming to the gym with us and it's, it's just been a blessing. And now my sons are kind of falling suit. Jay spent, you know, all week with me at football camp here. And we're just, you know, and I think the best part is I had such good kids, older kids in Chester that I looked up to and they were so good to me. And that's what I see with our kids here. They just, they're so good to my kids, whether, you know, in any little kid that's around here, and it's really built the culture. I finally coached my first kindergarten crew through and, you know, it's just, uh, it's just been awesome. We've been very blessed.
0: Yeah. It just sounds like, and I I really want you to share with me because I, I grew up, uh, I actually grew up, you know, playing in a big school, but I've always coached at small schools. I mean, coach, just like your, this like your program now coaches that coach football, you coach everything, track girls, basketball. Um, tell us about the small school experience because I don't think that's done as often today Most coaches, like myself, we coach one sport. Talk about the small school and what you have to do to kind of keep it going.
2: Um, Yeah, that's one of the big reasons I've stayed here. I love coaching all three. Um, got to be very involved. I've been blessed with some amazing assistants. Um, My uh, football and basketball head assistants were locals and both played college basketball, had kids for me. You know, they're married and, you know, big community people, and they put in a lot of time. And I was very fortunate to have another assistant, a Hall of Famer, from scoby his daughter came down you know she'd be a head coach wherever she wanted to but we're lucky she likes belt and um you know we've we've just kind of built it with a lot of good parents put in a lot of time we do a lot of summer stuff a lot of the the thing i missed about being chester you know we're 90 miles from great falls 60 miles from msu northern like you're out there by yourselves but here we can play in great falls league so we got kindergarten leagues going um we just got a new gym which has been phenomenal we got a new multi-purpose room gym so we have, you know, practices going all the time, but I have very, you know, parents willing and we we really share our kids. Like the girls and I went up and played Haver, one of the perennial class A schools last week um, on Tuesday. And this week, my girls had a volleyball camp. Um, you know, we take turns, open up the weight room with each other and alternate each day in summer basketball, you know, summer basketball will be Monday, Wednesday and volleyball Tuesday, Thursday. Um, the boys basketball is going to be Tuesday, Thursday football is going to be Monday, Wednesday so I can attend. Um, our coaches really work well together and um you know it's just we we get these kids at such a young age which is great I got a couple elementary PE classes some weight classes some history so I get to know these kids you know when they're little and it's it's just been easy to build we've we've had a lot of good belt people move back as you know my town we had 115 kids when we graduated Um, 20 years ago. And then now, right now we're at 50 kids, but belt, you know, we were about 120 when I was in school, but we're sitting at about 80, 85 in high school. So we're fortunate to have really good belt people move back and you're seeing the same names coming back that were on these title teams and they've done a great job of helping me. Um, My football assistants, I have three former um, belt guys that played college football and two of my former players are with me now. Um, So just been very blessed to have, you know, amazing assistants come back and help me. And, you know, their kids have been in the programs and, you know, I I had three, three high school kids that just graduated last year, come back and just want to hang out during football camp this week and help. So that's kind of the culture we've been trying to build here.
0: Yeah. And you know, when they want to come back, particularly coach, if they want to come back and live and coach, you know, you guys are doing the right things. What's drawing them back. Give us, give us a, a little bit of what you guys are doing to draw these people back uh, in your community, because that's really cool.
2: Yeah, you know what? We have a great school system. Um, we've, we've had tremendous administration, great teachers, very low turnover, which is odd. Um, but we give our kids a lot of ownership. You know, you still see them wearing their belt stuff when they're in college or when they're moving back. Um, luckily, we have a lot of farmers and ranchers that are, that are doing well enough to bring their kids back. And the best part about us is we have great falls 20 miles down the road. So we are very fortunate that, you know, one of them could come back to the ranch and they can actually find a job for their wife. That's some of the things that we're struggling. Um, When I was growing up, we had over, um, excuse me, Kevin, we had over 32 teams in our division, 32 teams in our area, the Northern division. We won eight out of 10 boys titles in the nineties. You know, my sister's team played four state tournaments. They won one. Our division was known for the best right now. We're down to 23 teams. Um, these small guess, towns yeah. are dying and the, we have a lot of consolidations because of the, you know, the bigger farms and bigger ranches. That's one of the areas, but we have great falls and we actually have people that want to come back, which is great. And I think it's just a sense of pride in this community and belts always had that. And that's kind of what's, you know, what's drawn me to, you know, being here with, you know, and staying in Belton, belt and, you know, so.
0: Yeah. And that's, it sounds like that's part of your culture because I've been, I've actually worked in small town communities. And there's, and I, I'm actually a one here we have about, we have about, we're a charter school in Greensboro, Georgia, which is outside of Augusta, uh, between Augusta and Atlanta. Um, and, but we're not a rural, we, you know, we're, we're, we're just out in the middle of nowhere, but I don't consider <laughs> ourselves rural like you. Um, but it's amazing how the community really backs up programs like yourself um talk about your culture coach i know culture trump strategy talk about what you do on a daily basis to fight for your culture
2: you know and that's great um yeah great point here we talk about culture daily we had i had uh, washington state quarterback and a couple hall of famers from western and tech come out for our football camp and demonstrate and that's when they speak to the kids that's what they bring is you know the culture you know an attitude of gratitude you know, being thankful yeah. for what we have, you know, giving back to your community, just attacking every day. Um, grit's one of the words that we like to use. You know, you, you had a tough day. You're going to wake up the next day and get after it. You know, what are you going to do Yeah. and compete? Our uh, old, the coach before me here, great, great guy. Both the, or all three of his kids played for me. Um, One, she's a phenomenal college basketball player. And his, his saying that we have when you enter our gym is compete, compete, compete. And that's just kind of how, We've attacked life. We don't allow for excuses. We have very high accountability. Um, you know, like you can walk into our practices, and you know, we have a couple of new, new, new teachers and administrators coming here. And like, man, we walk in, and there's it's it. They go. They're right into what they need to do. You know, they're they're right into what you know what they're supposed to be doing. You don't have to to yell at your kids. You know, we're just very blessed with you know what we have, and we've just kind of built that accountability. I would say, as holding yourself. You know, what would you do when no one else is looking? Is something, you know, we, we say a lot to our kids, you know, are are you doing the right things in life? Are you making the right choices. And we have some really good parents who um, you know, help support us and you know, it's kind of expected in the community now. So it's it's been a fun, fun run here.
0: You you mentioned parents like two or three times. Talk about what you do, maybe because it is a small community, but that not every small community has supportive parents. What are you doing to foster that connection?
2: I bet you, Kevin, that's the question that we get the most. Um, a lot of people just can't believe, however, you know, and I'm sure they you know, there's times they're upset with us and, you know, we're probably not doing the things that they, you know, want us to or expect us to, but we, we, have, we have very, very good communication with them. You know, I like mean, being a small town, you know, these guys, I mean, gosh dang it, I'm getting old enough where I'm starting to see some of the kids that I coached, you know, <laughs> coming up through kindergarten and first grade, but, you know, we have very open communication. My first couple years here, you know, I I'll go down to the bar after the games. You know that my superintendent was a you know military lady, you know a bigger school, great gal. And what are you what are you doing? You guys said go see and you know talk to people and you know air out and you know see what their expectations are. Show them we're human and you know the double A coach like that's just crazy. You can't do that, but you know I just kind of built it where you know hey me and my coaches are you know we're we're part of the community. We love you guys more than anything. You know we're gonna we're gonna go down pregame. You know, after a hard week, we're going to go down and have a couple beers. and You know, the parents kind of know that, you know, whether it's like a football club meeting, you know, or go after the game and meet the parents. And, but I think communication is the key. Um, we go on summer basketball tournaments, and uh, it's amazing, Kevin. I'll have almost every single one of my parents with us. You know, we try to make a fun trip to where we go camp at Sealy Swan, you know, different things like this, that we're going to do something fun, you know, and they come. So we really like um, – you know, we really like them to be involved and, you know, keep the open door communication. And it's easier when you're only dealing with, you know, fifteen or sixteen kids on your um, you know, basketball team compared to, you know, some of these programs of thirty or forty. But um, we've had a lot of good support. And, you know, I just I think that open door policy and admitting you're wrong. I mean, there's plenty of times where God yeah, it was a stupid call. I cost us the quarterfinal playoff game by a stupid third down call this year, you know, and we'd have been right there close to a championship, but, you know, you can go after the game and talk to the parents and we're all like, yep, that was a stupid call coach. But, you know, they're like, that's, that's what you guys saw. And they're just, they're really good about it. And we accept when we make mistakes. So um, just been blessed with really good parents.
0: Yeah. And that, that's because of what you guys are doing. You're initiating the communication. Uh, Cause over the years um, I find the same thing to develop that trust. You have to go out as a coach, Right. Yeah. You got to go out as a coach and you have to initiate it because most parents aren't going to do that. I think if the parents will trust you, if you initiate the communication, they might not agree with you. But I think would that be good advice for coaches? Hey, you got to go out there and 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 go
1: meet people.
2: You're exactly right, Kevin. Um, You know, one thing I did with my found this. I can't remember where I found this about two years ago in our preseason meeting. I actually asked the parents some questions. Um, you know what are your expectations your kid what are your expectations of the team what can you do to help us win and I, and I think it was really good I mean we had we had a crazy run I mean your most class c schools will make a state tournament you know one or two years and you go on a drought we made it 10 years in a row then all of a sudden we lose one game at divisional and we can't challenge and it was like a crushing blow next year the exact same thing happens to the same team and you know we talked about, you know, this year with our parents, you know, what's our goal? Like, Hey, maybe we spent too much time where we didn't appreciate winning district division, you know, conference. We were so set on state, you know, and they're like, Hey, let's just enjoy each week. We have, we had eight seniors, Kevin. I mean, I've had six before a couple of times, but um, it was an amazing group of seniors. And we, we, this year, we said, we're just going to enjoy this. You know, and I really like getting that feedback from the parents. Hey, you know, let's not really focus on, um, win a state championship. We know we can do it. You know, we know we got the kids, but let's maybe live in the moment and enjoy. So feedback from parents like that is great. Um, the girls and I do, we've been doing binders for probably eight, 10 years, a lot of goal stuff. I'm actually working on that right now. We do individual goals that we set. We have a game, um, a sports psychologist we use. She was phenomenal. Um, you know, learning how to, and teaching kids how to set constructive and real, listed goals is something we spend we'll meet with our kids all the time we put them on a google sheet um after each game they'll grade themselves i'll go back watch film and grade them and we'll talk about them and then each day before practice i'll walk through each of them hey what are you working on today what's your goals today You know, what do you what do you got today and um it's just been very productive and our kids we've seen the growth we do it all summer long my assistants will take notes every summer game we play this year you only we only got about 19 in for our varsity jv compared to 30 but you know they're taking notes on kids and after games we're meeting with the kids and kind of going over it and you know i think that accountability and you know the communication that that involves too so when parents are we've never had a parent say why is my kid playing well hey you know right here we're we're telling them they got to improve their bounce pass to the post or this and you know they constantly know what they're doing and we're meeting with the kids all the time so you know i think there's that open line of communication again with the parents you mentioned and Um, You know, I don't think they feel intimidated to talk to us, at least I hope they don't, you know? So that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're about here in Belton, and all of our sports, we stress that in all of our sports, but it's easy when I coach all three, it's pretty easy to, you know, make that correlation to all of them.
0: Yeah. And it's also very challenging for you because you got a family that is, it's time, right? Time is money, right, Jeff. (laughs) And I, I have a lot of respect for what you're doing because I know how much time, that I take just on my one team. Of course, I'm a PE teacher as well. Uh, it sounds like to me you're allowing input and you're assessing, which I thinks are I don't think coaches do enough of that.
2: Uh, yeah, I think I think you know we get so much wrapped up in you know sets and plays and points and you know stuff like this and you know worried about little things <clears> and you know we're we're just worried about the process. You know, hey, right our goal. I heard I think you mentioned with like Coach McClure in practice. Are, are we practicing hard enough to beat? win a friend are we you know about who we you know are we practicing hard enough to beat that team you know and, and just you know our focus is hey improving each week and then you know when it's tournament time let's rock and roll you know we're we're ready to go um you know this summer was really kind of fun i, I mean i lost eight girls um basically out of my top nine i have one junior back that played i have two seniors and four i traveled with six girls this summer my junior high or my jv excuse me I had two sophomores and six freshmen eight and it was fun. I met with my girls out in the football field before everything, um, you know, we're, we're kind of wondering what the heck was going to go, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, guys, are you as sick of it as I am? And I'm like, what do you mean, coach? I said, about hearing how bad we're, oh yeah, we're so tired. You know, we lost all the, we are just tired of, you know, and, and I, I give them credit. They went out and they beat some double A's and some A's and they had an amazing summer and, you know, and people forget, say, Hey, these, these girls have been practicing against three of the best teams in the state since they were freshmen. You know, they, they've, they know what to do. You know, they can compete. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a really fun summer. I've probably coached more than I have. We, we're at up now. It's like, listen to Coach McClure, you know, we we get after it. We've had just blessed with athletes. I mean, track, cross-country state championships, volleyball state championships. We got kids. So we've been always an up-tempo, um, you know, pressing team, you know, a man, a couple zone presses. We run a two one two, which is rare compared to what a lot of teams run. But um, this year, we're straight half-court. We're playing a lot of 2-3 zone. We'll mix in some man. We've been predominantly a man team and running more of a slowdown, grind it, 45, 50-second offense instead of our dribble drive where we've been running for, you know, 13 years. So it's been fun, but it just shows how coachable our kids are and how smart. Their basketball IQ is really high. Um, one of the best, I think the biggest advantage I have, and I tell this to coaches a lot, is I watch film every day with my kids at lunch. Football season, nice. basketball season. Mm-hmm. We in and I think it's the you know, it's maybe not so much the film or them getting sick of me, probably pointing out too many negatives, but <laughs> um, it is such good team bonding. We have so much fun once a week. We let them pick any team around the state they want to watch, pick some games, and it's just grown into like the kids watching film by themselves. It is, it's just cool. Like, I really think the basketball IQ we've had on that and the camaraderie is just you know, awesome. So, you know, those are some of the things we try to do to. You know build our culture up and you know improve each year
0: yeah and that uh, I love it Uh, and I want you to go into your system and so forth in a second here Jeff but uh, out here uh, it might be different in Montana because we what how are you becoming pandemic proof Uh, I don't know how much it's affected in Montana out here in Georgia it's really serious we have not been allowed to play against other schools but we're allowed to practice so are you guys were allowed to play this summer? Talk about your team again coming back, and has the pandemic affected you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely affected us. You know, we were we were shut out of our school. Um, we actually, luckily, are small enough. We were we were, our kids um, were able to come in and do some one on one learning in May. You know, there's some kids that needed help, or even if you didn't need help, we were available. And then we um, actually got to take our have our kids take finals here. So that was nice. We had to kind of see these guys. And then we are not allowed to touch our kids until June 1st. Um, And I got a great administration. Like I said, our principal is the boys coach. And um, we had a plan ready. So when June 1st hit on that Monday, we were able to, you know, we had had groups of 10 in the fitness room is what we were allowed. Uh, We were actually allowed to play basketball. We didn't have to social distance one to a basket. Our county health people were great. So we were right into our regular summer practices so we had two open gyms that week two footballs two volleyballs and then four weights basketball camp for four days and then we actually hosted a small little jamboree of two of the best class b teams and one of the best a teams in the state of boys and girls and then the next weekend we went up to a a smaller class b town and played a little tournament and then the last weekend we hosted a really good two-day tournament where dang every team that came here was in the state tournament at at class ba or double a last year so um yeah we've been very fortunate Then we did my kids were just their job was to uh, have two um individual workouts a week, a week with me just a skill development workout and then we had our summer on the our, our plane at night and stuff and the weekend so we were very fortunate with that um you know we've luckily in our area I think we've had one in our town you know we're rolling enough, but you know what I'm not liking is <laughs> no offense but we're driving Great Falls. or We were at my in-laws' cabinet, Holter, and all I've seen's is out-of-state license plates. Our spike is increasing, but it's a lot of people coming in and bringing it. But right. we've done a good job of, you know, people socially distancing and isolating. And you us in Montana, we're, we're not too big of fans. You know, most of them with the masks and stuff. But what we've been preaching <laughs> is, hey, you know, guys, we've, we've got to do this. We want schools and sports to go. we got to go. We, um, our state association is going to come out with a plan. On uh, Monday to rock and roll we have you know our regular football season schedule we have some condensed conference schedules but we're really hoping we're gonna luck out and uh get to go but i just i just i just can't i to see the the look in those kids' face to you know I don't know if you know in Montana but we are getting ready to play the state tournament. And we're getting ready to play the team in our district that we were two and two against the district championship. We beat them by two in the divisional championship. They beat us by one, so we were getting ready for game five rematch. We both just won our semifinal games handily, mm-hmm. and then we got the news broken to us that they were canceling the state championship, and that was right a really tough thing to do for my eight senior girls who had wanted as freshmen and you know worked hard. But I don't ever want to have to say you know, we have some phenomenal track kids and you know golf kids man we have a great golf program and so we're hoping people do the right things and we can be smart enough to you know actually you know beat this beat this pandemic here and have a season for our kids but you know we'll find out i guess huh
0: yeah for sure on that i appreciate you sharing about that It again we had uh in our soccer program we had nine seniors and they oh. never did i mean and but you you know same thing for you so Hey, there's, there's only so much you can tell a kid other than the fact that, Hey, we appreciate what you have given to our program. Right. I mean, there's not much, it's that, that's a tough time.
2: Oh man. It was, I had to walk to the ref room. They announced it, you know, and they kind of talked a few things and, you know, look up in the stands and seeing the parents that I'd been with, you know, for, you know, 13 years. And it was just like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? And I, I mean, I had to go gather myself and then, you know, I still get a little choked up, but, uh, yeah, walking in that locker room, man, was one of the worst things I've ever had to do. And just sure. know, see that on those kids' faces. And, um, you know, it's, well, you, you made history, I guess, you know, is what we told them. You know, you guys are the only co-champions we've ever had in Montana. So, you know, try to, <laughs> try to spin some positives, you know, with it and a few things. But, um, yeah, the toughest thing that I saw, um, and you guys mentioned it with um, um, with Coach Bamford's interviews, you know, it was the AAU. and. Um, you know, we have a few kids play AAU, but a lot of our kids, we have a very good senior classic that they run here, a really nice tournament they run, and a lot of exposure. And then a, highline, a, a state tournament's called the HIT, Highland Invitational I've coached since 2010. It's the best of Class C versus B versus A versus AA. And a lot of our kids get seen at that. So, you know, I had um, one girl already luckily signed, and two girls were, you know, hoping for JC or Frontier Scholarships. Um, and and actually had one other sophomore at the Sheridan College that was closed. So it was a really tough, you know, May and June for these kids trying to find um, schools to play at. And, you know, we were very fortunate. They all got picked up. But I felt bad for a lot of those kids that, you know, are probably good players that didn't get that chance to have the exposure. You know, this summer, a lot of those kids are missing their, their AAU stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely that's, you know – tough on these kids so i'm really hoping we can get back to normal and you know get these kids you know the exposure they deserve for all the work they've done
0: yeah i guess the only uh consolation of that is it's happening all over the country so it's not like hey it's just in montana or georgia it's everywhere and i think college coaches i think really need to step up and really help out these kids, whether, you know, accommodations or whatever to really kind of get out and make sure these kids get recognized. Uh, but that's a whole nother podcast there, <laughs> coach. Um, hey, talk about your classification and uh, how do you, cause in Georgia, we have seven classifications. I coach at a small single a, but we have a lot of good teams in single a, how are you classified and then how do you get to a state championship? Cause you guys want a bunch of them.
2: Okay, so yeah, that's I, I think one of the coolest things we got in Montana. Um, it, I always thought it was classy. Like I said back in my day, the division—I you know, shouldn't say my day, but you know, twenty, thirty years ago, we had uh, thirty-two teams. So you had better come ready to rock and roll. You have a you have an eight-team district. They take the top two out of your district, and then you're going to turn around and you're going to rock and roll in a divisional of eight teams from those four districts, and when the top two out of that division qualified states were broken down into, we we were broken down into 12 districts and four divisions back in the day. And some are some bigger districts, you know, and, but we've kept that format. Now we have a, the South is a little bit smaller. They only have 16 teams. Um, but yeah, you got to win. <laughs> you got to win a bunch of games to go. You got to get hot in the district tournament, um, qualify out of there placing the top twos and then same at divisional. And then at states and 18 a state tournament there so you've got to win a lot of games to get there you've got to win at least two usually three at district and divisional to qualify and um you know like i said since i've been coaching for what 13 years we've won our division has won all but three of the state championships and in like i want to say like four of those we've beaten each other in the state championships so you get out of the right, league, there's a great chance that you're playing Saturday night, if not in the Chipper, so um, and then our double A's that's our bigs, that's our big cities. There's sixteen of those. We've just added um, another school in Bozeman. They split, and then uh, Belgrade just moved up. So we have sixteen of them. I'm on the regionalized scheduling committee for basketball in the state. I'm one of the Class C reps, um, and then so we're kind of involved with that. We have twenty four A's. We just have two new A schools, one in Billings and one in um, Helena that popped up and then our B's is our smallest but probably the most competitive there's some really good B teams and there's oh what do we got about 40 B teams i think so that's kind of how montana is is broken down
0: yes absolutely and how do you guys feel like your play your top level players how do you compare to like other states i know here in georgia i mean we're loaded with <laughs> really good players particularly in atlanta and so forth on that. How do you think you compare particularly like maybe with your top travel teams? Cause I know you're familiar with that to other States.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: you know, Montana teams we've, you know, in our boys, a lot of them are Idaho with Idaho selects. We'll have a combination of Montana, Idaho kids. We'll have, okay. you know, we'll have the uh, um, Jill Barda's and the tinkles and the girls. Like we have a lot of really good D one stuff. A lot of them might not be on the same teams. But obviously, the numbers we don't have—you know—quite the numbers that the rest of you guys have are big-time players. But you know, we've had some great Lady Grizz players, some you know Gonzaga girls. You know, Houston is at Stanford. Tinkle is at Oregon State, one of the best players. I think the all-time leading scorer actually. His sisters played at Gonzaga and Oregon State. But um, yeah, the, it's it, a lot of the older people you'll talk to. And I was lucky enough to grow up with it on the bench. It's down. Our frontier used to be very, very Montana load laden, excuse me. There was we had some dudes in the frontier back in the day. Um we don't see as many, but I think it's also because the coaches are going out more a little bit, a lot more out of state teams. We brought in Lewis and Clark State. Westminster was in the frontier and it's made the frontier better. But you know, for the pr- most part, you know, you look at guys like Coach Woolley, um, you know, at Western and then Coach Mowat at Northern we have a lot of Montana kids on those rosters and that's where our state schools are. Our privates with, you know, West Keller, one of my good softball buddies at Rocky um, you know, they have a few more out of States as does Providence and Carroll, So they can go get some more out of state kids. But um, I really think our Montana coaches do a tremendous job of finding our kids Um, and they, and they really develop. I think, I think, I mean, you look at the frontier in girls basketball, we we have one or two teams, you know, in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, all the time, and I think it's the player development. You'll find, you know, Coach Woolley will take two or three kids. We have some JV programs. Coach Mo will do it, and they'll bring these kids on redshirt, you know, then, um, you know, build them up, and by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're ready to rock and roll. So I really think our frontier coaches do a good job developing, but um, you know, as far as you know, listening to Coach Bomford and that, we don't we don't get the big time division ones. You know, uh, we'll have. <laughs> sure. You know, we'll have, out of my Class C hit team, we've been very fortunate. Usually about, um, I take 10 girls to that tournament. Um, Usually about eight to nine of those guys are college girls. Um, So pretty good for the Class Cs and the Bs. But um, it's more, you know, a lot of Frontier JC type kids and not your big D.
0: This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with two tools and functionality
1: that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Ones ...is what what we have.
0: Yeah, and I I consider um, coaches like yourself the true soldiers of the game because you're taking kids, and I want you to talk about your player development because to me that's the ultimate sign of a great coach is player development, not player acquisition. Like a lot of schools here in Atlanta, it's player... (laughs) Uh, and i, I don't want to get into that but it's player development so hey hey i'm a kin- i'm a kindergarten pe teacher so i i see my kids from kindergarten on up so i, I want to get your idea on what you're doing with your kids to develop such really good players
2: hey you're you're exactly right right it's it's right there um it's what i'm running my you know my basketball camps or you know we're having a pe class that day we're teaching the fundamentals we want um you know my my junior high and high school kids will work camps we do a couple little kid camps throughout the year Um, I'll, I'll make sure I help with our high Z coaches, whoever's coaching our K first grade, second, third grade, fourth, fifth grade are going to be there. I coach a parochial league here, fourth, fifth, sixth graders that we play against the Fairfields and the great falls and things like that. Um, but it's like you say, I am blessed. I can see my kids I've had them for long enough. We know their strengths and weaknesses, you know, and I, I think that's just been huge where we, we know what these kids can do at a young age. And we can build on that and improve them and their kids know, parents know. So I think that's the big advantage we have. Yeah, it's time consuming, but man, I just, I love being around it. We have just such great kids to be around and my wife does a ton of work with it. You know, she's coaching whatever we need, when we need. I have some great buddies and dads that moms that'll coach with us, but player development's huge. And like I said, we do those individual goals with our kids religiously and it's on that Google doc and they're constantly checking it you know, they're all right, I'm here. And if I got a red grade on that, I got to improve, you know, and if I got a blue grade, okay, green grade, good. Um, You know, we're, we're constantly communicating with those guys. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, I've been blessed where I haven't had to change my system a whole bunch. You know, I've had enough studs where we can kind of keep our dribble drive and our pressing system up this year. We have six upperclassmen. So, you know, this year we, we we've changed and we're more of a slow down, grind it, um, you know, that's, that's, what we're going to adjust to football wise. We've got a bunch of athletes, just a bunch of dudes and we're really spread, no huddle, quick motion shift and change. And, you know, and <laughs> sure. that's, that's kind of how we adapt in class C. And I think that's why, you know, I'm a little biased, but I think the best coaches you see in Montana and, and i and I'll share a couple of examples in a bit are the ones that started in C um, Steve Keller. He's the university of Providence men's coach, you know, they goddamn could have won the thing this year. I mean, they were that good before the shutdown. Um, he started in the town of Opine that right now doesn't have a school. He was a Class C, and he won three state championships in a row there. Um, you know, a lot of Mike McClain, the coach, his assistant coach, was at CMR, went to the biggest level, won four titles there. He won two in Chester. A lot of these guys, the Stanton boys over and that are dominant football, basketball coaches in Eastern Montana and the Dickinson State, they all started in towns like Ritchie, Circle. And they've all kind of moved up. Cause like you said, it's not, Hey, you got, I'm going to recruit kids to fit my system. It's all right. What do I got this year? You know, like some of the best coaches around dentistry, they'll be like, hey, coach, you know, it's, it's five card, hold them, baby. Here's your, here's what you got. You better be able to adjust. You know, you better, <laughs> you know, you better be able to play to the, play to what you got. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're going to lose some games. You can't make the kids adapt to you. you got to adapt to them. And I think that's why it's so fun. It's just, like this is one of the funnest years I've had coach. And I mean, I love all my girls, but we had to actually change our styles. And, you know, like the girls said, we're sick and tired of hearing people saying how we're not going to be good. So, you know, they had a great, they had a great summer of, you know, working on some things and, you know, working on some weaknesses to get better. So that's, I just think you become a much better coach when you have to learn how to a- adapt to your kids. So I think it's made me a great, I, I wasn't a very good coach. My first few years we won, despite me, I had great assistants, And man, I had some you know stud kids, so I think I've improved in that area the last few years.
0: Yeah, uh, players always say it's amazing how when I had good players and I have good players now, my coaching gets better.
2: Yeah, (laughs) and yeah, and people think you're smarter, and yeah, it's I know it's like after a game, and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's like you know my. I
0: thought I did better coaching. I came into to our program here 2016. We started uh, – they'd never had a varsity team, so we started oh, wow. from scratch. Cool. We went from three wins to 11 to 13, whatever. Now last year we had 21. But I thought I did my best coaching the first year.
2: I agree. And some of the most rewarding coaches I've, – I've talked to this to people. like Some of our, our most rewarding years – have been those years when, you know, they don't, when people don't think you're going to be as good. And, you know, I, I mean, I had a two and six season one time in football and by gosh, we were so proud of the two and we had four teams in the semis, you know, in, from our division, we were so proud of those kids, you know, and you're right. Some of those years, it's um, what it is, but you do your best coaching and you work your hardest. And I think you learn the most, don't you? I, I really think you learn yeah. the most those years and um you know, if you're always getting better, I think a lot of coaches don't ask or they try to, you know, we get a lot of people that try to emulate what we do. And I said, you're a class girls program with maybe an enrollment of 35 high school kids. So hopefully half of them are girls and half of them play. So you're looking at 10, you know, 10 kids. We dang near have eighth graders. We are, let's see, us. I think we're the only school in our district that has yet to use eighth graders to play. You can do, if you're under 16 kids, you can use eighth graders. That's, that's right. how small our school's getting, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to adapt constantly, but um, yeah, it, it shows what you can do as a coach those years and, you know, then work to their strengths. And I, I, I think some of the people I coach against are just phenomenal and they're, are a lot of long longevity coaches in our, in our division. I think that's why our division has been successful, but, and I've definitely learned a lot from those and they're willing to share. I, that's the weird thing about class C that I just, I mean, not like the other classes aren't like that. I really like the people, but man, if I'm on a road trip and uh, you know, I want to stop and have a beer, I'm going to call the coach from that town, you know, or call some parents. And they're just the camaraderie around these areas is just, I think that's the most special part. I think that's what's kept me as being in this area. My whole life is just the people and they're willing to share, you know, what, we we go to tournaments together and you're going to go out and talk hoops at the golf course that night after the tournament, you know, and that's, I think that's just one of the the things that I enjoy the most about this level, you know?
0: Yeah, that's really cool, Jack. So we need that more in the profession. That's, that's why I have this podcast. It's amazing how many coaches I have on it. And co- these coaches around the country are contacting the guys that I'm interviewing, man, that's creating, that's creating a better profession. Right. So if, I mean, and that's what the podcast is all about is to coaches helping coaches
2: Hey, and that's, and that's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's what we need. We have, I I'm really being, it's really frustrating to see a lot of these good young coaches that I've watched in the past few years get run out because of the expectations of the parents and, you know, stuff like that. And we're, we're losing a lot of coaches because of that, you know, and right. that's, I'm, I'm glad you're doing the sharing. Like I really feel like the people in Montana the coaches got each other's backs. They, they're all kind of been in the same things. I mean, heck one year, you know, we win the state championship and we're sitting in the lobby with the coach we beat and the fans we beat, you know, I mean, it was obviously they weren't, weren't happy, but I mean, that just shows the type of character that these guys have, you know, and you know, that's, and we're, we're just in it for each other, you know, then the next year they go to the state tournament. We don't, we're rooting for them. You know, that's just kind of how this area is. And um, I I really think we need to do a good job of developing our younger coaches. I'm now part of our Montana coaches association. We are one of the, I want to say three in the nation, that is an all-class coaching clinic. And maybe Kevin, you know, my our our, uh, our guy um, that runs, gets a lot of out-state people, a lot of good, it'd be something you would look into and like. And it is just phenomenal. Coaches from all over the state get together. You can go listen to motivational speakers. I go listen to football track guys, you know, whatever it is. And I think the camaraderie we have and the ideas shared there is huge. And, and we're really trying to gear. Unfortunately, we lost the clinic this year, you know, due to, Due to the virus, but um, I think we need more things like that with our younger kids and more support, you know, system with our younger coaches and getting people into coaching. and then refing's another thing. My wife now, you know, she's not busy enough; she's volunteering refing, so she's definitely JV <laughs> games on a Monday, Tuesday, right? When she's not doing it, because we're just so short of officials, you know. And it's her way to give back. And I think we got to get, we got to find ways to get younger people into coaching and and officiating. But it's just not much fun when. You know, a lot of the parents, you know, luckily not much here, but how they treat their parent or how they treat the refs and their coaches. And so we've we've got to be proactive. And I think your podcast and ideas like this is what we need to have going on.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that, Coach. And I'm going to pick your brain at a later date about your coaches association because I'm trying to develop a uh, basketball coaches association out here to just bring the coaches together. And I run, actually, I run my own clinic out here called my Legends Clinic. And, um, man, it's a struggle to get coaches to attend a clinic. And I have coaches from all over the country coming in. And when we feed them, Jeff, we do everything for them. And it's like you would think it would be packed. But coaches, it's getting tougher and tougher to get coaches to want to get better.
2: Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, we uh um, we're very fortunate here. We get a lot, we get great attendance here. But you're right, I think a lot of the coaches now are kind of almost doing it by default. There might be a community member, or a parent that has to do it and they got jobs, you know, where their yeah, ranch, especially yeah. in our area, man, this is a tough time for ranchers and farmers, you know, like our, our people are rocking and rolling so for them to do the summer stuff is really hard. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean there's it's it's tough because we don't have a lot of what I say, professional coaches, you know, coaches that go into education to, you know, teach. I watched one great kid in a local town get run out and um, he got hired by another small town. Now he doesn't want to coach. He's going to be the AD. And I mean, he's a great coach, had some probably too tough of expectations and they're going to lose a kid like that. Sure, You know, a great, great first year coach who is going to be a good one. And that to me is probably the toughest thing to watch is what these young kids are going through. You know, that's,
0: you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned a great point Perf- almost professionalizing and not; it's not even a word, but making really strengthening our, our profession because we need to keep coaches in and also keep referees in. Um, but that has to, we, we still need a lot of work. That's why your association is really helping out a lot of coaches. It looks like coach talk about, let's talk about some basketball here as far as system it sounds like to me, you're changing your offensive system from up-tempo now to ball control. Tell me why you're adapting and kind of give us a little detail on, on what you're doing.
2: So, yeah, like I said, we were, my first year we had 12. I I, I mean, honestly, Kevin, I took this job not knowing anything. I, I was coaching football. I was coaching UGF my second year, working on my master's. My wife and I were both teaching in Great Falls and I was commuting out to Belt for football practice and then at night I'd go to college basketball practice and, November, they didn't have a coach and um, they talked me into, you know, coaching here with some girls. I had no clue. I'd, I'd always want to be a college men's coach. I didn't want anything to do with, you know, kind of like coach McClure was saying, just coach the girls. I mean, I guess I've never thought of it, you know, like, okay, you know, that's be kind of fun, you know, great kids. <laughs> and we they were all really even kids. And I, and I didn't know any of them. I looked at my assistant and I said, all right, let's see, how you know, first few weeks goes, and we lose, first game of the year, we lose to a team in Class B that gets third in state, which wasn't bad, and we won. And then we won our next two games. So we're we're two, four and one going into Christmas, and these girls had never been out of divisional, out of districts yet. You know, and, and so I'm looking at Coach, I'm like, man, we got this. And so we start subbing four or five at a time, dang near not quite every dead ball, but, you know, every minute or two. And we started having different line changes. We were a one-two-two. Two, um, or one two one one, excuse me. Press. We had different presses on that. Where we're going to press. Where we're going to trap. Um, a two one two press. Full court man. A couple different things like this. A junk defense here and there. And I think it caught teams off guard that first year. They weren't years to an up tempo team like that, and we lucked out and snuck into the state tournament. We uh, lost to a team in our district four times. Um, they won the state championships. They lost us in district division or conference twice, and then district and state. You know, a really good team, but you know, then the next year we kind of all right. We had everybody back. We lost two great seniors, was all, and we kind of did the same thing. We got pretty darn good at it, and then we just started implementing, like you said, into our junior high and into our high school system. I was the head junior high coach those first three or four years, and then since then I've been blessed with Renzi for ten years, and I'm just kind of her assistant. Now we're passing it on to another girl, and I'm just I just kind of always stay the assistant. Or Renzi helps, but you know, we we've always been that up tempo. Um, and we have no shot clock so the teams that would beat us were shot were grinded out bigger teams that could hold it and Mm -hmm. keep it in the thirty. so it was really frustrating and this year you know when we're looking at our team in jv we started implementing with them you know we had six girls biggest team we've ever had one of the smartest teams i've ever had you know just an awesome group of girls and um so we started working that slow down zone stuff, kind of conserving ourselves. We have no depth, you know, plus we get six quarters in class C. So a lot of my girls are swinging both ways. So, you know, they might only right. play three JV cores at night so they can have three varsity, you know, they're two or whatever it is that night. So you're kind of saving quarters. So our kids got used to that system. Now um, we're implementing a two, three zone that the university of Providence men's coach, that Steve Keller, that he put in when he was at Western, when he was the men's coach. Um, and it's 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 kind of an extended two three. There's different things in Class C girls basketball that you can get away with giving up. Um, our philosophy is a little interesting. We actually give up the high post area. Not you it, you, you I mean, That's exactly where we attack with our little zone offense, kind of a dribble drive high low. But not many people attack us there. We play low behind the post, trying to present prevent old boards. We're gonna sag from the weak side. We're gonna play passing lanes, anticipate skip passes. Um, you know, so we're kind of more of that. We, we, we've always been a pack line um, defense team. You know, we're going to force the sidelines, keep people out of the paint. Um, you know, just a really solid make them earn it, you know, in the half court when we get to the state tournaments for better teams. But um, that's kind of always been our philosophy. But I've been blessed with just athletes. And one of the weird things we do, and I, it was funny, I was just talking The Circle Football coach is also a girls coach. And um, we were talking about he's got some really good freshmen. And going to be sophomores. And, you know, what do you do? Do you start those kids over the juniors and seniors? I just went up to Glasgow, a really um, good class B team. I ran a three day camp for them, put in some things. And that was discussion we had. And I say hey, if my seniors are, if they're good enough as seniors to make your team, they should be starting for you. I mean, maybe in a case here or there, they may not start because you have some frontier level juniors, you know, or just some that good of kids. But our philosophy has always been to win every game. Win JV games. You know, teach those kids to play together. Our our juniors that don't start are going to play JV two quarters. You know, then our our sophomores are going to play 3 to 4. We're going to try to get some C squad games in, but I firmly believe on those guys playing together and getting used to winning. I think it's really worthless when I watch people start start a freshman or maybe have the freshman that's their sixth man not play them in those two quarters when you got six quarters to burn because there ain't nothing like game experience. And, you know, you you want those kids to get as much game experience as they can and as different roles. That freshman might come in and be your fifth scoring option on the varsity team. But, hey, on the JV level, they're your first or second. They get to play at that level. Um, my first year here, I didn't get that. I, was, I had a couple juniors. I'm trying to sit them. We're getting ready to play Highwood. You know, they won state. Or excuse me, my second year. They won state the year before. You know, they'd beaten us five times in a row one of my juniors sneaks on the JV bus and I don't know this. My assistant comes and, you know, we, we go there <laughs> and win the JV game back then when we had five quarters. So I go to put her in, in the first quarter, getting ready. And my assistant's kind of smiling at me. And so as what's going on, oh, sorry, coach, I burned her two quarters. We wanted to win. And Emily's just sitting there smiling at me and goes, coach, I couldn't stand losing to him. It's like, Hey, that makes sense. If, if you're not going to start for me, and let's let's go play those JV minutes and learn, and she ended up being a heck of a starting point guard for me when I moved to Belt. She was a sophomore. People told me she couldn't make it. She was five foot one, and she ended up being a heck of a starter. And you know, on a team that got fourth, second, and um, fourth at state. So we've really tried to develop our kids like that. Try to get extra C squad games, um, and I really think that that growth from juniors to seniors, like, oh, that senior, they might not be good enough. Yes, they will be. If you're not doing your job. If you, my biggest pet peeve is when I hear coaches say, oh, they can't do that. Or when they take them out, you're not getting, I have told you that to do that a hundred times. Well, obviously you didn't because, you know, they're not doing it. And I, I, I really think if that game experience and the coaching wise with those guys, that you could teach those kids and by their junior, senior year, they'll be productive. If you're doing your job, they should be productive for you. And then I, I it's also tough with girls, in these small towns, I've coached against Kevin eighth graders that have started, and I mean they're legit. But that's when your school, you know, might an enrollment of 25, 30 kids, you know, and you you just have to play them. But I still don't agree with that. It's Like you've got upperclassmen that might not be as good, but let that kid play a couple quarters JV, and teach them how to win. I've seen too many programs play really good freshmen as and start them and go two and eighteen. I mean our district. Kevin, for instance, our district has placed in the state tournament at least one team, 13 straight years. And uh, what nine of those years, two teams have placed. So if you're if you are a young team and you're not gonna be very good, play your JV game, try to win some JV games, gives those games some success. I've seen these poor kids get thrown to the walls, Kevin. And oh boy, they're just getting frustrated, these freshmen and sophomores. And then by their junior yeah. year, they don't have the confidence, they don't have the skills they should have where. They could have developed this in the JV level and won some games. So that was kind of the discussion we had last night um, with the football coach. I mean, hey, let those freshmen, sophomores keep winning game and gaining confidence. Your seniors are going to improve. And plus, you got to have people practice. And that was the one thing I told this other town. I said, you start cutting your juniors and seniors because, you know, you only, got, you only got 18, 19 girls out for basketball. You start cutting your juniors and seniors. They're not going to start for a sophomore or a freshman. Who are you going to practice against? You're going to be down to 10 or 12 kids. Your competition level of practice isn't going to be very good, so that's kind of our been our philosophy. We went, um, actually, just tallied it up when my assistant retired. Her JV record was two hundred and twelve and nine, <laughs> and she didn't lose. Yeah. She lost to one Class C team, and that was because we had a whole bunch of JV kids. It was a weird year. And we had some juniors, and she let these juniors play the fourth quarter up by eight over some freshmen and sophomores to give them a chance. So that's the only conference JV game we've lost in 13 years. And I just think we build that winning mindset. I mean, she's – and then those nine games, so it was all Class B teams or, um, you know, AA JVs and C squads. So, you know, her record, you know, you put 221 games, you lost nine games. And that's kind of been our winning culture is just to win everything, you know, and teach our kids how to win. And hopefully our opponents are, you know, intimidated when they play belt.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting how you're approaching that. Cause I'm thinking, you know, I'm at a small school too. And so forth. I think you need, particularly today, like you're saying, your numbers are down. I think that overall in the country, I think numbers are down in girls basketball. Would you say Jeff? Cause I, I listened to coaches all over the place and they, they all say, "Man, numbers are down." The question is, why? Maybe, maybe they need to take on your philosophy on, "Hey, you need to play all these kids. Nobody should be sitting that pine, right?"
2: You know that, yeah. That, and that's kind of what we're hoping. Yeah, you know, why, 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 are we sitting these kids? You know, why, you know, why are they out? You know, why, why are you having kids leave your place? Yes, I mean, kids don't do as much as they used to. I get that. You, know, I hear people. Well, they don't. You know, they don't organize open gyms. I hear that. Now I'm getting a lot of the parents that were in the '90s you know the the heyday what i say of montana basketball in my area up here when i was a little kid just growing up on the benches you know so um we said yeah they don't but we we have a lot of specialization i do not like special i don't like kids that go play aau that aren't playing um you know that's what coach and Claire touched touch up they need to go do track or something
1: yeah you know, they
2: got they got to go do something they, they've got to get out and build those we're seeing too many injuries we're seeing overuse and burnout i'm um when Carroll College men, when they went on their run and won the four national championships in a row, Coach Van Deest had 11 kids from Class B and C schools on his program. And, you know, he goes, and I said, why are you interested in recruiting us? Why are you at all of our games that we're playing? Um, well, Coach, they're three-sport athletes. They're not burned out. Their potential for ceiling is higher. They're coachable. You know, they don't think they know it all. They're, they're coachable. They're excited about it. Um, I think a lot of these people that push their kids into one sports get burnt out. Um, you know, we have a kid right now fighting an Achilles injury, you know, just kind of an overuse, but he, um, you know, we don't know, you know, if you play, you know, 30 games of basketball, you're sitting out of the pandemic, you know, things like that. You know, we want our kids playing everything. I want my kids golfing or track in the spring. I want them. We have the cool thing here, Kevin, we have four sport athletes we got volleyball cross-country kids. My wife's a cross-country coach. We have volleyball football players. My football team with my two quarterbacks got second in state one year. They're running cross-country in the morning and playing football in the afternoon. You know, uh, they they actually got second in state cross-country and drove, and we had a night football game and played that night. You know, we're getting those versatile athletes that know how to work and know how to coach, um, and we're preventing burnout, we're preventing injury. But, you know, kids, and I think part of it, too, is the instant gratification. You know, parents don't go home and say, Hey, you might want to work harder if you want to play, you know, it's well, coach's fault or they don't like you or let's go try this. You know, kids give up too easy. Like, that's why we talk about grit a lot. Like, Hey, you're going to have some tough days, man. Like, God dang it. It ain't going to be great every day. You ain't going to be starting as You know, I think a lot of the kids in certain towns expect to start and have great success and you know, (laughs) they they don't know how to work for it. So I, I see that as one of the, one of the problems we have too. But, um, I don't know, man. I wish we could solve it because I don't like you know numbers are just declining in every sport. And it's it's really tough. This to, it's really frustrating, and um, I know numbers in our area. A lot of it is we just don't have the dang um, numbers in these towns. Like I said, right, right. When we go from thirty-two towns to twenty-three, you know, since I graduated in two thousand one, that's part of it. But I've seen it the double A's. You know, it's like, hey, you got to play soccer, and that's the double A. My father-in-law's biggest problem. Those people sharing kids. Well, we have soccer. Well, hey, they're they're only asking for two days of hoops. You know, he's like, belt, belt and share it with volleyball kids. You know, granted, you have soccer, but still they're only probably playing soccer and basketball, right? Your fall. So work something out with these guys. I, baseball is one of the toughest. Like, that's my favorite all-time sport. I grew up in a rural area and ended up having to play softball. You know, I got to play softball professionally in college. Got paid 500 bucks a week to fly around and play softball. You know, hey, I'm not bad. Favorite. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I wanted to play baseball. A couple of my buddies are baseball coaches. And I said, hey, you cannot make these kids play 60 games. Cause we don't have high school baseball here in Montana. We're legion. Yes. So you're starting in May because our weather's so crappy. You can't cram in 60 games from May to July because you're pissing off your football basketball coaches. Right. need to play. No, and a lot of kids don't want to travel. So like I'm telling these baseball guys, your numbers are down because these kids want to do more sports. You know, yeah, you're gonna have your kids that love baseball that are okay with it. But, hey, kick it down to, you know, two doubleheaders a week and every other weekend. Man, now you're keeping the football kids happy. You're keeping this happy. So, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of specialization, Kevin. And then in that specialization, I'm, I think we're seeing a lot of kids burnt out, you know, or a lot of kids just falling through the cracks because there's so many kids doing it that, you know, hey, the competition's there. They might not be able to, you know, succeed. And they, they quit too early. You're seeing the numbers – so, yeah. Um, so one of those things, you know, like that, where uh, I don't know, man, I'm not a huge AAU travel. I think there's a place and I'm really proud of my kids that do it because they don't miss belt stuff. They're at the belt stuff. They'll do some of the Springs, you know, they might miss a track meet here or there, but you know, they're three sport athletes and I'm glad they're doing it for the exposure, but I don't like the kids, you know, not, nothing against them. But I, I'm not for the all spring travel ball. I I think those kids need a break. I don't think playing six months of basketball is good. I only want my kids in the gym after the state tournament for about, you know, two, three weeks to shoot. Let them relax. Let them go get that hunger back. You know, go do your track. Go do your golf. Go be a kid. You know, go to the lake. Let's go do some fishing. Let's go do some, you know, our kids are hunting. We're very fortunate here. Our kids have a lot of activities like that, you know. Um, But I feel the burnout rate is, it's getting getting higher because these kids are pushed to, they get told, I got to be, you gotta be doing this. And we get a lot of these AAU guys that do it for the money. Money, money, right. only. like I go watch a couple of these teams and they got dudes playing that couldn't play varsity for us. But that kid's paying this thousand dollars to go do this tryout and get them games. It's like that's not the quality we want. And we got a really good guy doing it in Montana right now. One of my good friends, he's a local kid from this area, a couple years younger than me. And he's doing a couple of tournaments in the year. He's practicing, he's inviting the better kids. It's not a money maker for him, you know. He's got a young family and he's doing it for right reasons. So I, I I like that, but I'm just not a huge fan of these, these guys that make these kids do it year round. I, I I think that's hurting our sport and other sports. What are your thoughts on that? Sorry to rant, but that's what. No, no. I love
0: that. Uh, I'm in agreement there. And I have, I have one kid that plays on what we call a Nike elite team, which literally now she's not playing right now. Uh, she actually has signed with university of Tennessee Chattanooga. Um, and the Nike elite, they literally because check this out. They fly all over the country, uh, which is, okay, it, 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 that's a great experience. But I think you can still get the same work regionally, locally. You can still get better. I think I, I think we're over-gamed. Um, uh, I think the kids need to do more training, and they need to mix in games. I think the training needs to be higher than the games. But man, I, I'm in a minority, so I think you and I are probably have in the same agreement. I mean, hey, I'd rather see a kid in the gym working on, you know, maybe a, maybe their handle a little, maybe their left hand, maybe they're finishing, and then go out and play maybe one game or whatever. Uh, but that's my that's my belief.
2: No, I'm with you. Like I'll sit there at the hit, and I'm blessed. Like the hit is one of the funnest things. It's the ten best, and we don't get the double A's like we used to when I was growing up. It was it was double A A B. I mean, it was cutthroat. Let's get after the best guys are coming. A lot of our double A's and A guys don't come. Our, our A teams are starting to pick up, but it's the best of the best of the state, man. And this is and this is why I tell kids: I like you want to you make this tournament here. You got college coaches all over Montana, all our JCs, all of them. You know some Wyoming JCs, all the frontiers. You're going to be yeah. seen here. And, I, and I'm sitting with a couple of the dads, and they're, they're great buddies, You know, both from them one-state championships. We're sitting at the bar afterwards, you know, about 8, 10 of our parents sitting together, just great, classy people. I mean, just hardworking dudes that I just absolutely love. And it's, it's actually about 75% of them that we thought. I said, no, why are you flying your kid to Vegas? and said, I know you're spending you know, $2,000 as a team pl- flying them out here. I said, who are they getting seen by? I said, exactly. no offense. I said, they, they see stuff now. I said, heck yeah. I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I said, Greaves, that's going to that one term. That is so cool. I'm, I love it. Let's go to like Arizona once or Vegas once or the end of the trails in Oregon. That's awesome. That's a cool experience. I'm for that a hundred percent, but three or four of these, we don't need to let's, you know, let's do some skill. development. We got some good stuff in Montana, come to the hit and play. You know, it's like, they're going to be seen. There's no secrets. I don't think kids get missed anymore um but i i see the skill levels of some of these travel kids they, they 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 can play but they're very their skills just need a lot of work and their basketball iq is there and it's he hey roll the ball out and go you yeah know, and, and the referee and shaky the you know last year one of our poor dads um <laughs> of a kid they they have a fight during the game they go out the other team attacks their coach and there's a fight during like, like <laughs> Graham, this is absolutely bonkers he's like i know why you hate this stuff and you know, I said, there's a place for it, but I I don't think they need to do it year round. I want them doing skill sessions two, three times a week. I want them being kids, you know, going fishing, you know, having some fun things like that. Let's go play a tournament. Sealy Swan. That's what, I, let's go camp at the lake. You know, that's where the team building goes. You know, I got all my kids in the lake, a couple of parents got boats, you know, that's, that to me is more important than taking these trips, um, you know, and doing this all the time, you know, do that once or twice, but, um, you know, I, I think a regionalized smaller for our level. I mean, like you say, we don't get 91 kids in the state in Montana, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's just not how, how it is in this year. We're, 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 you know, not enough kids, but I don't know. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. We were actually talking about a little bit too last night, but um, I, I don't, I think we have too much summer ball and too much isolate, um, um, or excuse me, um, specialization in sports. I, I want kids to do three sports, I just teach them how to compete and be better athletes and more coachable. And um, yeah. injury prevention, I think, is huge, especially with girls. I just I the I like knees. Yeah.
0: For sure, for sure. And I um and, and it's also good on the school community because we want our you're you're basically there to help out your school. It's not about you. The problem is, Jeff, I think it's become about me and you, you know what I'm saying? It's about me now. Uh and the parents are it's that's parent driven more than kid driven. That's a whole nother podcast. Coach, go back really quick before we go over your practice planning, because I know you're busy. I know you got to get home to your family. Um, talk about that defense again, because we run, you mentioned Lewis and Clark.
2: Hi, this is Kirk Gilsner of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision Podcast and Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so again, I can't recommend it highly enough championship vision podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work.
0: Clark, my good friend is Mike DeVelbos who created the buzz defense. Um, And we run a two, one, two, half court trap that is really good along with a two, two, one press. That's our system. Uh, talk about your defense. You're
2: going to implement. Maybe it's similar. You're going to have to show me your two, two, your two, one, two, their half court. Um, I of that's interesting. I, we have some teams that do that. We have, I think we have the personnel with a couple athletes there in the middle of the, do you put your bigs low then? And have kind of have your athlete in the middle. Where are you trapping at? What are you doing on yours real quick?
0: Well, I have what we call our chasers up top. And I, my okay. goal is always to take out the point guard and we force – what we do is we, we, we call wall. We wall the passing lanes. We don't want any direct passes. I put my big in the middle, okay. and we force to the middle. Okay, and then so you we,
2: funnel it in. Okay. We Perfect. funnel.
0: We, we funnel to the middle. Uh, and now, you know, I mean, the only breakdown is if the kids aren't playing aggressive. And what Mike calls – he calls it flying around. So we're out there creating – we're in the passing lanes. The kids love playing it. Um, and you're going to get beat every once in a while man, But it's a fun style. If you have a good, some good players like you guys, man, you can really create a lot of, a lot of uh, chaos.
2: I, I like. That. I'm gonna have to put that in because we're gonna need a little variation. Like I said, our two three this year is gonna be more conservative. Um, mm-hmm. We're gonna we. So the, Jill Bard, I don't know if you, you know the All American from Gonzaga. Um, she was this Fairfield girl. They we we both won three state championships in a row, and that was the only team that could, that beat us. And they ran the funnel just like you said. This ultra. You know, athletic, aggressive. They had two twins that played at Tech. I mean, they were unbelievable. How good this freaking! I mean, they won 114 games in a row. For crying out loud, that just doesn't happen.
1: <laughs>
2: and um, yeah, they funnel just like you said into the big. There, we're kind of the opposite. We're gonna try to funnel um, everything away to the corners. We're gonna, we're gonna we're going to say, so if they're bringing the point guard, you know, most of the teams in the class here to bring the ball to the right. So I like to put my tall athlete girl. She went to state in hundred, 200, 400 and um, 800. I mean, she's a track freak. She's a horse. And um, we put her up there. She's six foot long armed. And we, we try to take, like you said, that pathway, My weak side guard is going to be my smaller girl and she's going to be more sink in the middle. We're going to give up, skip jump shots at our level. There's not a lot of teams that are going to beat us on skip jump shots. My big girl, like this, we've been. It's been weird, Kevin. We we've been five eight, five nine for our big girls for twelve years. This year, right. I got an awesome six one girl that's really starting to develop, and I <laughs> had a five eleven girl. So we 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 put our five eleven um, girl. She's pretty physical in the middle. Wall her up. She's playing dead behind everything. She's um she's baseline. She's forcing middle on catches. We're not going to give up the block baseline, but you know she's. To keep all the posts, you know, in the volleyball line on the post ups, and then our weak side girls sinking. And then we're letting that athlete on the other side, our taller girl, go get some skip passes. And that's and that's kind of how we funnel our two three. We're, we're trying to make teams shoot jumpers. Same thing as our pack line, we've tried to implement it where we cannot get beat middle. That's one of the toughest things when we get beat middle off penetration in that zone. That's what's hurt us. Uh, but I'm not a huge zone guy, I've always ran mad. State tournament, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we even ran a minute of the zone this last year. So it's a little change for us. So that's why I'm going to have to pick your brain and get that, uh, get your little 2 2 get some film on that. Because and, and what I like you said, I think you summed it up perfect. If kids like playing that defense, they're going to play it hard, and they love it. I mean, <laughs> three or four years ago when Coach Keller put this in, we ran it. We were actually better at zone than man, which was weird. But they loved running right. it, and they were aggressive. And, you know, we were, we were probably 50-50 that year which was a big change for us. But, you know, if you make it fun and, and I, like we said too, you're going to get beat once in a while. Good. That's why I told you. That's, that's why we were so aggressive in our presses. I said, yeah, yeah, we want them having two on ones. Cause I guarantee you so-and-so that we're playing isn't practicing. These two girls beating our press shooting a 15 foot or two on one, you know, coming down the course. That's as good as a turnover for us. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's what we want. Speed these guys up, get them out of their rhythm, get in their offense. So um, that's kind of what we're doing in the pack line. You know, man-to-man, man, that's that's what we, you know, we've basically, it's a T to what, you know, Virginia runs. We've just kind of copied those guys. Um, we're usually sure. behind the posts because we've gotten small. Our guards will front once in a while if they try to post us up. But what's hurt us more is oh board So I, I probably got away right. from fronting the post back in, about 10 or 11, just because we've been so small. And it's a lot to ask a 5'9", five, 5'10", five, girl to get around a 6-footer, you know, and try to box out. So... Um, it's just a little bit different how we trap. We we influence. We let teams come up our left, their right side. We force reversals because we want we want the girls at our level going to their left hand to half court to getting trapped, so they can't throw that left handed push pass or that skip pass across. You know, we have a lot of the guards in our leagues are five three, five four smaller guards, so we can get away with that. I'll actually put my best, you know, reader. You know, a lot of times, it's my point guard is one of my deep girls in that two one two. And it almost turns into a 2-1-1 where she just gambles. And our 2-1-2 full-court press, we trap with the middle girl. And the okay. weak side top will take away the middle. And what we get is when they walk it up to one side, they'll always guarantee it, reverse it. And they put their head down, they're dribbling as fast as they can. My middle girl's going from one sideline to the other, and we catch them nine times out of ten right there across half court with that. And then we'll deny the reverse with the other top girl my nice point guards playing back to our center field. And we've, we've just, we've really had success with this two one, two. I watched the boys team run it. Um, Denton, the school doesn't even exist. Now they're in a co-op, but they ran that with, you know, five kids and it fit us perfect. And we're still aggressive enough to get steals, but we weren't getting beat. I felt like at the state level, you know, you're playing against, you know, seven or eight really good players. Deep baskets and transition. So those, after about three or four years, we went to this and, Said, all right, let's let's still try to keep up tempo, pressure these guys, but let's not give up easy layups. And you know, we've we've had a lot of success, you know, from then on doing that where we're not allowing easy shots, I should say. You know, it might be more contested or quick shots, but that's kind of our defensive system there.
0: Yeah, I love that. I want to pick your brain on the two one too, because I would like to see what it looks like. So I like to use that as a variation. To our two-two-one, because I run some different traps with our guard forward. Uh, I do a little scramble with the guard, so I, I definitely want to get some video on that, so we can hopefully we can share some video on huddle a little bit, Jeff. You bet. Um, To kind of see it. Um, hey, talk about practice. My last thing, my last question. I always ask the coaches is, <laughs> how do you develop a really a practice system that is consistent? that's organized that you're really getting i know your program is probably very organized i know you get a lot out of your kids talk about how you do practices at built
2: okay that's probably the number one question we get kevin i share that a lot here um we have the same practice routine when we come in i'm more of an offensive first coach um our boy i mean and the greatest thing is our when our boys coach came here he's similar to us he was a 5a coach in missouri um you know, they start practicing the same way, and it's the same as football, it's the same as basketball. Like, our kids know what to expect when they come in. We're going to do our shooting drills, our pre-practice shooting drill after our shooting warm-up, our form stuff, our pre-practice shooting drills are going to match what we're doing that day, whether it's a man day, whether it's a zone day, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to have transitions, we're going to have the emphasis for the day, closeouts, but we're always rocking and rolling, you know, with, with the shooting thing from the start. Um, and, you know, then we're going to get into every day, we try to make sure we get in our closeouts, our shells, you know, our everyday drills, our EDDs, you know, just like in football, just like in track, our stuff we got to do, you know, and we'll gear them towards the team we're playing. But for the first half of the year, it's all about us. We don't even worry about a scouting report. We're going to run what we want to do. We're going to try different things against different teams, try different kids in different spots, you know, mix up our rotations and try to find what we like. Um, So I don't even put my starters together, Kevin. They don't even play together until probably the Wednesday before our first game we're mixing up um hmm. you know it might be like this last year I was fortunate I had the eight eight seniors all right the four on four group right might here might be the, the seniors the seniors juniors through the freshmen together or all right we're gonna go two seniors per team on this drill you know I really like my kids to teach you know my older kids know it and I got two assistants always working with me so I can go to both sides I want I love watching practices Christmas Thanksgiving break I'm always sneaking around to local schools here watching practice i just, I love to see what people do, different ideas, and the thing I've probably noticed the most is a lot of wasted time um, mm-hmm. you know, eight eight kids in a basket doing a drill, and they're like, guys, what are you doing well, right. what, you, you got one of those every six kids you know five kids doing here you know it's really big on you know the biggest groups we're ever going to have is a group of four in our practice. you know we're fortunate we got six baskets, a lot of the gyms we play are still smaller old-school ones where there's four and some of are on the side. I mean, there's one school we play that has two crack, two gyms for practice, or two rims. We now have that in our newer gym, so we got creative. You know, that's going to be more of a competition day, a five-on-five day, an up-and-down day, because we only got two baskets on that, different shooting drills. So we're going to organize that. Um, each year I do a to-do list. I, I organize in Excel. Um, here, I got it right here. I just actually had the thing up, and I don't know why I got rid of it. Um <laughs> I was just going to talk about that with you because I knew that was coming. And I was just showing this to my buddy. We're going to have a to-do list of what we're going to be breaking down. Shooting layups, post-work passing, free throws, five-on-five, five, offensive indies, blobs, zone sets, slobs, ball handling, you know, three-on-three three screens, box-outs, close-outs, D. Okay, there's our, our four presses, transition situations. And then I have it broken down in the first three weeks of what we're going to accomplish. So me and my assistants will get together along with my seniors, all right, here's what we're getting done this Monday, and it's really helped me write my practice plans. I write a to-do list for each week, like a December 9th through 14th. Here's our to-do list. Shooting shell, five-on-five zone sets. Okay, we're going to work our 3-2 because the team we're playing is 3-2. Um, you know, the next one shooting set zones, blobs, situations, rebounding that day. So we lay it out, and our kids know it. I got it posted Sunday night outside the locker room. It's on our Google Share Um, The emphasis for the day of fist or scrimmage or get some paint, you know, what, what we're going to do, you know, pregame review sets and stuff. And it's really helped me organize it. Um, The drills, I subscribe to a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, coaching websites. So right now I'm looking at my 2020, 2021 new drills, new blobs ideas. And I just keep a running list of this stuff and I'll show it to my juniors or seniors. Hey, you guys want to do, let's do closeouts today. You pick some drills. I, 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 I'm going to drill closeouts every day, but it's going to be a different drill every day. I think the monotony of doing the same drills, I, I, the kid, it just kills, kills the kids. So yeah. I let my leaders look at our practice drills and what do you want to run today? All right. Sounds good to me. You know, as long as these close Hey, and then, you know, one of the best things, Kevin, I'm sure you do this too. Um, and I do it on days I'm gone. If I have an AD meeting once a year, I have to big state AD meeting. I miss a Monday. My seniors are in charge of that practice. They're right in that practice plan. And it is awesome. I don't say a word at practice because I'm I'm usually late getting there. If I can get there, my sisters are there. And they take a lot of accountability. So I'll do that once or twice a year. And it's really fun because they're like, coach, we haven't done enough of this. And I'm like, God, you're right. You know, we haven't worked on this. You know, great, great idea. You know, so I I give my kids a lot of accountability when we're writing our practice plans. But I tell coaches, you got to do daily stuff. And then it writes itself. Yeah, the first year sucks. But then I can go back, you know, all the way through 2012 when we started doing it here's what I was doing the third week of practice in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. And it's really easy to look at and build off of there. You know, you just, I need to get better at Google docs and Google, um, um Google uh, sheets. My assistant's a tremendous Google gal and then make it more accessible to her and my other sister. That's my goal this year is to get stuff on there where they can share it with me and make edits from home and the kids can have more say, but you know, that's, that's kind of how we build our practice plans. And, you know, I, I love finishing every, everything we do. Kevin is also, it's timed. Every shooting drill we have, you can go back to 2014 here. Um, you know, whatever the shooting drill we're doing, three minute threes, whatever we're going to do here, there's a goal for the varsity. Okay. This might not be a greatest shooting team, but we're going to try to beat that. All right. We might adjust it, but we keep track of it and then we change those every day. So everything is timed or a competition. Only time we condition Kevin is on losses. You don't, we just don't run to run. I don't put kids in the free throw line. I believe that's, I, I conditioned too much my first two years. I look back, I was spending 10 minutes a day conditioning. I was like, God dang, I just wasted 40 minutes this week of skill development. You know, right. you are got to be able to condition through your drills. I don't have a whistle. I've never had a whistle in practice. We don't believe in out of bounds and fouls the first two weeks of practice. So sure. we're a little, we're a little ragtag and physical and sloppy, but I think it's helped us handle it with this divisional state tournament when things are getting more physical. Um, what else about our practices? Um, yeah, you know, managers, I got my, my daughters, um, junior high girls come, they help rebounding. They're watching drills. They're shooting on the side. They're seeing things. And that's a big thing to our program development is they're around it. You know, they know I, I I tend to get fairly excited and check out once in a while, but, um, you know, they're kind of used to it now. They know what I mean. Um, you know, we'll have box out days where missed box outs are running, you know, and you know, all right, every missed box out's a down back, we're going to work on this. And then, like I said, each day, I'm talking to my kids before practice. What are the three goals you have this week? You know, we call them process goals. What are the three process goals you're going to focus on today? What are you going to be good at by Friday that you weren't good last Saturday that you weren't happy about, you know? So our goals are constantly going in there and, um, Yeah, just try to fit our goals to what we're doing, give our kids some accountability. I really believe in mixing up spots. Like I I teach all of my kids all, you know, the bigs are going to play two spots in the zone. All of my kids will play all five spots in the press. They might not play it in the game, but I want them to know the reason why we're doing things. And I did not do a good enough job of that my first few years. I know I didn't, but now I know my kids, I understand why they're trapping here, what they're doing here. And I do it in football. My running backs and receivers, they're going to know every single spot. You know, we only play eight-man football here, but you're going to know both tight ends, receivers, running back spots. My quarterbacks play every position, and I really think it gives our kids a better understanding of the game, you know, by doing that. And so mixing the kids up in practice with different teams. I might put my starting point guard with two freshmen and two sophomores against the other seven seniors. You know, and she's getting her butt kicked. Like, hey, Colb, you know, what I do that? Why would we do that, Cole? I got to be more of a scorer. I got to be more. Yeah. I want you to raise these guys' game up. You know, we'll, we'll put, we'll put a lot of pressure on kids and practice like that. So just some things I've stolen from people. I haven't came up with anything, you know, it's all stolen from very good people, but those are kind of what we like as practices.
0: Yeah. I love how you're um, you definitely have a plan. You have a philosophy of practice. I'm not sure if a lot of coaches have that you got to have a plan. sounds like you're very consistent on what you're trying to emphasize and teach. Um, I love what you said about versatility. I think we're trying to train basketball players, right, Jeff? So I think, you know, le- you know like, you're, like you're big, maybe you're one big. Man, you're teaching her how to handle. You're teaching her maybe yeah. expand her range, get her away from the lane, right?
2: We, we only got six kids. She's playing point guard for us half the time. I say, hey, you get <laughs> that rebound, let's go. Because, you know, yeah. big girls aren't going to pressure. She's tall in athletic, You know, yeah, so in, in our transition break, my bigs are free to go. If they don't like the outlet situation you know, sure. we'll, we'll rock and roll off of that. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. We'll, uh, um, you know, we want to, kids don't play basketball anymore, Kevin. I mean, you hear that all the time from our guys. They don't go out and right. play basketball and learn how to play and learn situations. I mean, what the, I went to one school two years ago and did a, did a camp helped them. And I, and I did some situations like, all right, girls, you're down by four with two minutes to go Their ball. What do we gonna I mean, no clue, you know, and <laughs> exactly. Of like, we spend yeah. so much time and we don't, we don't work. I see you got, you got to do situations. I mean, it happened yeah. to my freshman up here in Haver. We're down by four, you know, my, my JV coach is you know, working, she's coaching that. I'm kind of watching, taking notes, talking to my girls, you know, and, we're, and we let it go. They go for a minute and a half. fighting one of my varsity girls, foul, Wolf, Wolf, what are we doing? Foul, you know, and the little girls hit it. And, you know, they've never been in that situation. they won a lot of their junior high games, you know, and if you don't teach it, kids, they don't watch basketball. That's, I mean, I, I tell right. my girls, you, you watch it. You, oh, no, no, I mean, watch a basketball game. I said, when, when I'm talking basketball IQ and you got no IQ, you're not watching the Lakers play the Clippers in the fourth quarter right there. You're, you're not watching my butt. You know, you've got to have some clue. Kids don't go out and play, you know, situation basketball. So that's something we dang near do every day. Kevin, I give my kid quizzes. I and mean, for some reason we have a late practice, we have situational quizzes and it's funny. I mean, even some of my seniors will mess up, you know, common stuff on, inbounding the ball, throwing it over half court, you know, or, Hey, what are we going to do in this situation? I love asking them that tournament time. All right. My, I got my varsity girls. I'm going to give them, we're down by two, our ball on the baseline, five seconds left. You know, we're up by one. What do we do? And I like to see what sets they like, what they do, you know, because by that junior, senior year, they should know it without us saying it. But I, I think that's one area that gets missed with coaching quite a bit, you know, is situations.
0: I totally agree. And I think the, the top coaches that at, at- I speak with, if you go back on the podcast, it's like, Oh man, we, we did not teach us enough. This particular, you know, late game situation out of bounds. Uh, I don't think we're, that's definitely neglected. Coach, give us your two best drills. Uh, before you go, I want to, I want a built
2: top drills that you do every single day. Okay. What, what, what type coach, what, um, what, what type of drills do you, do you want? What's your,
0: well, at, Actually, um, you know, I, I'm a transition coach. I, oh, uh, uh, give me, give me your best skill development because we do some really interesting passing and cutting drills that, that kind of emulates our offense, but what, what, give me some, give me a great fundamental drill that you guys really believe in and give me a good transition drill that we can add.
2: Man, I, I love transition drills there. I got a few, we found a few good, good here. Um, fundamental drills i you know what we do every day just for footwork i think footwork is very neglected um we, we just really like you know whether it's a group of four you know the partner pass across you know we'll, we'll progress to it all right we're you know two lines um balls in each line i don't have a ball i'm coming at you i'm working catch and score up free throw line jumper catch score up rip catch score up same side we're gonna work our footwork then we add the defender to that with the defender running up you know, taking something away, playing one on one like that with the progression. I really think our footwork and our decision making, I don't think kids catch with their eyes on the rim and square it up more. Um, one thing to have our coach I love is catch the score. So, you know, one of his favorite skill fundamental works, I'll, I'll do this drill with, I mean, it goes from my kindergartners on up to my seniors still, but it's just that catching squared, catching, getting ready to run yeah. and roll, you know, the footwork thing, adding the defense, giving them rips. And I brought out, um, the assistant coach from MSUB last year, the assistant coach from UGF, and they do very similar drills to this coming from different angles and try to fit your offensive system. That's what I watch a lot of coaches. Like when I go work, work a t- I'll go work like a two or three day, you know, basically clinic for them. And I said, I want you to watch your, pr- I want to watch you guys just pre-practice things like this. And I said, well, that stuff doesn't fit your offense. You know, you got to do things like we we do a lot of our, you know, off our dribble drive, you guys have got to fit stuff that fits your offense, you know, so all of our shooting drills are based off of that. I'll give you a couple of my favorite shooting drills here. This I'm, I like, I like to shoot on the score. I stole this one from a good buddy. Um, Three minute threes. You have how many, how many kids do you have at practice coach? You know, we're normally at 15 or 16. What do you, do you have 12? Do You have a varsity split. What do you do?
0: Yeah, around around ten to twelve. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, our goal is to have higher than that, but uh, this year we'll have ten to twelve.
2: Perfect. So we split them up. You know, we just call it trade time shooting. There's five and five at each basket. Um, you'll have three balls. You know, your three guys are shooting. You got to get your own rebound. Find your two buddies out there, right? Kicking out to your buddies. Relocate. I'm sure you guys have done this drill before. We it's a shooting drill. We did a bunch of college, but we're counting to ten. As soon as we get to 10, we switch sides. So your team's over there. You, you and your four buddies are shooting threes. Get your own rebound, kicking out to your buddies. Boom, you get 10. I'm only at eight. Now we got to sprint. We're dribbling down. We're passing up. Now we're working a transition pull-up three-pointers now. Okay, I start at eight, but we're still racing to 10. I got to get to 18 before you get to 20. Boom, I get to 18, and you're at 17. Then we're switching ends again, doing a little transition shooting there. It's great conditioning. We'll sometimes we'll do it to numbers. We'll split up even. Um, but that's, that's kind of the conditioning shooting. We drill. We also do one where we'll have, um, you know, like we said, we have, we have 15 girls a lot, five passers about the volleyball line on each side, five girls at half court, two are going one way three are going another. They're going consistently down and back shooting 15 footers and three pointers for a minute to a minute, 30 great conditioning drill off of that for our shooting stuff. Those are some of our favorite ones that i brought to coaches that they really like but um transition drills that that we like i i i don't think transition is taught um as well like you know smart stuff off of there we one of the one of the favorite ones i have we call it a line eye transition here let me i'm looking up my uh descriptions here let me find this there's so we have this works great when we have 16 you you might have to modify this to um excuse me you're going to have to modify this to Team's at two, which is fine. But uh, mm-hmm. the line I transition, we have two groups of four. And you're going down. Um, so you're at offense coming at me on D. I got my other four buddies on the uh, um, as the outlets, two on each side. Okay, so they're my outlets on each side here. So as soon as I get, you come down, make or miss – my group, my four, we're getting that D board, and we're outletting to my um, to either of the two girls on the side. We have a group of four, you know, waiting to go. Your group, after you shoot, you got to get your butts back and transition on D. My four guys, and we're we're letting them leak. Sometimes we will let them start, you know, free throw line, half court, and then you know if there's really a really team that transitions, we'll we'll designate a get back girl on your team. All right, Coach Furtado, you're the get back girl this time. So boom, you're flying back there. Now you get back there and play D as my as my buddies that I outlet to my my buddies those four same thing after they shoot you're getting your rebound you're outletting to your group of four now all of a sudden your buddies are going against my outlet group they're coming back so you're just you're playing a transition you're going from offense to defense every time working on get back and our kids have really liked it our our kids really like that drill um, transition wise we, we try to do a lot of disadvantage stuff you know you've probably done the line transition where there's five on the yeah. five on the baseline five on the free flying you know call a name out um sure working on matching up because i think we we're very fortunate like i said we've just had athletes we've had just great kids we don't have a man when we man up maybe my big girl has a girl she's supposed to guard but we guard whoever so we really yeah. try to break that habit of you know our like junior high girls i got this girl no you don't you had that girl last possession your job is to get back stop the ball the next girl's getting in the paint and we're progressing from there. So a lot of our transition defensive stuff, you know, that's, that's how we teach it is you better be able to guard anybody, you know, at our level. So, you know, we'll do a lot of disadvantaged drills like that. There's an Arkansas a little, um, five on two, one, uh, four on three continuous, um, a guts transition where you're on defense, kind of the same drill we do, but you would stay on, or I would stay on defense the whole time going back and forth, trying to get three or four stops in a row. So, um, you know our our kids love different things like that. and It's a great way to condition them because you're you're going up and down. I think I did too much half court stuff my first two years. That's a great piece of advice I gotta I have. Um, I've been very blessed. I I have a lot of coaches, and this is a cool thing to do, Kevin. <laughs> have someone that's never seen your program self scout you. Um, I've had a met my wife's godfather who won five state championships at Billings West Boys. He helps. never see my kids play. I had him break down film, break down kids, watch games. Um, I, I've done that with a lot of retired Hall of Fame coaches, and it's phenomenal. They see stuff, I mean, that, like, what, why, why did I see that? I mean, even this summer, I had a guy just retired, old AD up at Harvard. He sends me three obvious things that were missing. Me and my sister, like, God dang, how, do, how are we not catching that? You know, get that new set of eyes to watch you. And that was what they told me. Hey, you're you're not doing enough in practice. You're you're too much half court. You're too much. The game's played full court. Quit doing so much half court stuff. So have someone self-scout you. Hey, buddy, hopefully this time it'll work, huh?
0: Not a problem at all. (laughs) Uh, My last question is is what do you recommend for a new coach coming in saying, hey man, I'm I'm starting a program. And this year is kind of a tough time to do it. And of course. We're in July, so I'm sure most coaches. But even a coach who's already started with their program, what advice would you give them to kind of get off on the right foot? Because we've all started somewhere and made mistakes, right?
2: Yeah, you know, I I say go go meet as many people as you can. Get get as many ideas as you can. And, you know, try some things out early. Be open with your kids. You know, if you're starting a new program, get to know your kids. Find their strengths. Find their weaknesses. Um, Don't be afraid to change some things up. Ask those guys for help. You know and but but then have your you know have your non-negotiables you know what what you're going to do what you expect them as a person you know what what you expect you know how them to act what do you expect in practice what do you expect for dress you know set your tone you know like that right away but um you know just always be learning you're, the more drills you can get the more things you get and don't overload i think sometimes people put too much you know on sets and plays try a few things and get good at one or two things. You know, like you, you're one of the few coaches that hear, you know, a lot of time on individual, you know, fundamental development, you know, a lot of these people, they don't put that day. And, um, you know, our boys program does a great job with that, but, you know, build the skills of your kids, um, you know, communicate with them and work on goals, set goals with kids. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing in life is teach kids how to do goals. By the time they're juniors and seniors are going to write great goals, um, but, you know, each day they need to have a purpose, you know, organize your practices, what you want to do, what you're going to accomplish this week, you know, and p- build your practice plans from there and then have goals each week to get to in your kids and you'll improve if, if, if you're improving each week, you're doing it right and then, you know, you'll, uh, you'll be able to kind of improve throughout the year and it'll be amazing how it is in the three or four years by the time you get everything rolling.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing I got out of uh, talking with you Jeff, you mentioned a lot about goals and so forth with your players and so forth. Uh, just really quick before you go, I've, I, I want you to just add, um, because could somebody actually say, hey, I want to get a copy of what Jeff Graham does with his, his uh, I think you have your, a Google sheet for that. Um, I mean, give us a little sample of, of goals and, um, you know, maybe how somebody can contact you to kind of say, hey, man, this, how do you do it?
2: Sure, you bet. Yeah, I, um, my email's on there, right? that they have, I can, I can show them, I can share what we do, but what, yeah, each week my girls are going to sit down the day before the game. Um, You know, we have goals for the first few weeks of practice. Obviously we have some things like that that we're going to work on and that's coming from the summer. And I was blessed this summer. Like my kids know, Hey, you know, you got to work on this area. You know, actually just about finishing typing it up. It's on my board here in my classroom. They write them after the game. What are three things you need to work on that last tournament? You know, different stuff like that. Um, And then we're going to grade them. It's going to be on that Google sheet and they're going to look at them. And then, you know, the first week of practice, hey, are you doing this? We'll have a meeting, you know, right, right about Thanksgiving time after a week. Here's what we need you to do. Here's what we expect out of you. Here's how you can improve to help our team. You know, then then right before the first game, the girls are going to come into their room and we're going to write our goals together. We're going to the seniors are going to write their team goal. You know, they're always process goal or a little bit of outcome but I'm more worried about process goals at first and, you know, developing our strengths. And then they show me their goal before they put it on there, make sure it works. It's on the Google sheets. And then after the games, um, they go right away. And and the weird thing about this is, and I don't know if it's just girls, but I think it's kids in general, is they're way harder on themselves than we are as coaches. Sometimes they'll come in and I'll see a lot of reds for needs improvement or blues, you know, or I come to the locker room, you know, we have our, we have our goals for the game, you know, our process goals for the game in the locker room, some things we want to work on the keys. And then they got to come up with three good things they did and three areas of improvement. Um, I don't like to use the word bad because, hey, we can get better at it. It's improvement. And it always seems like there's five things they want to improve and one or two, they did good. Like it's, it's almost a fault to some of my girls. I think some, I've had too many dang perfectionists that are all doctors and nurses and they're just, it's a, it's a great thing to have. Like a lot of times they're too hard on themselves and we've really talked about that like it's okay to fail a little bit you know it's okay that's why we have goals it's good you know that we have things to work on it's not life ending to fail or funk a math test you know or something like that but our drills are really harder than the next week all right hey remember on friday where you you got beat to the middle twice let's work on closeouts then remember that game on saturday god your your boxouts weren't, weren't up to par so boom that's their pre- that's their process goals for the week I mean, so the goals basically write themselves. Once you get it going, it's not – people like, oh, you spend so much time. Well, yeah, we do. But, you know, it's it's, a, it's evolving document where we can see it and the kids can write it. And if you don't have your goals and you're a this year, one of my JB girls didn't have her goals done on time. She didn't start. You know, it's, it's a non-negotiable for us. That just shows me – I mean, you have five days to write your goal or uh, before the game, you know, you got that Sunday through Thursday. If you're not zoned in enough to write your goals, that shows me it's not important to you. By God, by the next, you know, the next few weeks, she was the first one that had them done. But, you know, I, I don't think you can improve, you know. And, then, and another thing, and I've never had this problem, but it'll give young coaches great um, ammo if parents attack them. Why isn't my kid playing? Why isn't my kid doing this? Well, it's pretty simple. Look, look at the areas that I, I, I showed her over the summer. Look at the areas I showed her during the first few weeks of practice during Christmas break that she was supposed to improve on. And she's not getting them done. You know, so it, it gives you that. It opens that line of communication. And I like it as an athletic director where, hey, um, they're wondering why is, you know, why is it so so-and-so playing? Well, the the volleyball coach um, or the boys basketball coach, here's, here's what they were telling these kids they need to work on. They're not getting it done. You know, so it covers our butt, you know, right there too. But, you know, it, it also gives the kids – and kids want to improve. You know, they want to get better at those, and what's phenomenal? Like I'll show my 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 other coaches that ask, look at the their weaknesses. The first eight games of the year are now strengths. They focus so much on that, and they have a purpose and practice of what they're improving on, that they become strengths. And you know that's I, I, I think it's been a huge for us when when we got introduced to that from a Hall of Fame coach at um, Glendive. Um, it's been huge, just the goal setting and. You know, it's something we do, you know, we should do as people each day, just have a goal to, you know, what, what am I going to get accomplished today? Am I going to be better at this today? Am I going to learn something new today? So I think it's something we can do in everyday life.
0: Yeah, and you can see why your program's successful because it sounds like you're about continual growth, not failure. There's no amen. such thing as failure, right? It's all about just trying to get better, trying to grow. Um, amen.
2: Yes, amen. There's, yeah, failure, we don't even say that word. It's just improvement. It's constant improvement. Right. you exactly Right.
0: Absolutely, and that's for coaches and players. I think if anybody can get out of that, hey, we got to get better as coaches too. That's what this podcast is all about, Jeff. I got better by listening to you, so I really appreciate it. Um, hey, what's the best way to get a hold of Coach Graham?
2: Um, you know that that email, the Jeff Graham thirty at gmail dot com. Okay. Just, you know, go ahead and give myself on the four zero six four three nine three zero five eight. You know, I love it. Each year, I. You know, I, I try to work as many different camps around the state, meet as many different people and help kids and just it's I love it. We got we got the best job in the world, I think, being teachers and coaches and you know, helping our helping our young kids improve and that's so you know, that's been our goal. And like you said, you know, we can we can get better every day at whatever we do, you know, in our jobs or whatever it is and as people and husbands and fathers and whatever it is. So as long as we just keep improving, we'll and make our kids better, we're gonna keep society rocking and rolling.
0: I love it. Coach, hey, I got better as a coach, man. I really appreciate you sharing. Hey, I love you, Montana coaches, man. You got some good ones out there, man. (laughs) Um, So it all started with Coach Wooley, uh, but if you have any great coaches and so forth out there that would love to be on the podcast, uh, please send them to me because uh, you guys are doing a great job out there in Montana. Coach, I appreciate you joining me.
2: You bet. Yeah, I'll send you some and then yeah, feel free to contact me. I'm going to be bugging you about sharing some huddle stuff about your for sure. Too. That's kind of intriguing to me.
0: Absolutely, yeah. coach. Take care. Have a great <laughs> evening. Uh, stay hey, stay healthy out there. Stay well.
2: You too. And then yeah, I'll be spreading the word about your podcast. This is great stuff. Your your people are awesome. So yeah, get us the links to this, and we'll we'll get it out there on Twitter and everything, and get you get you rolling.
0: Hey, really quick, what is your tw- You have a Twitter account or Facebook that we can? Because I, I use both oh, yeah. to add.
2: Um uh, my Twitter, it's just Jeff Graham30, I'm pretty sure. Same thing okay. as my Gmail. Boy, let me check. Okay. Yep, Jeff Graham30. All
0: right. That's great. Coach, thanks again, man. Take care and I wish you the best.
2: Hey, you too. Have a great night. Take care. All right.
1: All right. You too, Jeff. Thank you. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hilligas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.
0: Coaches, thank you for listening to episode 191 of the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Jeff Graham from Built High School in Bilt, Montana, a six-time state champion. He gave you some great advice on how to build a program the right way. Um, and I also want to offer you some advice that our new sponsor, PracticePlannerLive.com, uh, is going to be supporting our podcast. It is the most innovative practice planning software on the market today. Go to the website and also click the referral code and where you heard this from, championshipvision.org. And uh, definitely mention me as a referral. You'll, you will get a nice good price on your Practice Planner Live, uh, practice Planner Live software. So, um Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Don't forget my website at championshipvision.org. Go in there for the uh, excellent basketball coaching resources available. It's all about making coaches better. Thank you and stay tuned for the next Championship Vision podcast.